We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome back to the Swider Show, everyone. Obviously, um, this is our first back in Zoom episode since uh, since before prior a while now, huh, Patty? Right. Yeah. The last one, me and Adam were just talking. I think it's the last one was David Duke Jr., which was like last week of June. But what's yeah. funny is uh, I got some some texts, some calls saying that our audio was perfect in the studio. Which shout out to Blue Wire again. It was lovely recording into the studio. I would say we're going back to our roots right now, but we're even worse than our roots because neither of us have our mics. We're not using the garage band like normal process. So if we sound like shit, that's on us. We apologize. We'll uh, be better moving forward. Yeah. Well, also we, we've been we've been moving around. Obviously, a lot of things have happened. Um, and yeah, man. Uh, I mean, we can get right into it, Pat, if you want. To. Yeah, I was gonna say go go ahead. I got some questions laid out for you. I'm sure uh, people tuning in are, are pretty interested in your next step. We're going to tease that as uh, being announced a little later this week. We could tune in next week because we'll have everything blow by blow, your decision-making process, all that. But um, I guess just on a human level, anyone that reads that news, Cole Swider, waved by the Los Angeles Lakers, they probably picture you. I was worried about you as your friend. You know, yeah. I gave you a FaceTime. I was like, God damn, is this guy like all down in the dumps? You seemed uh, like a little bit shocked by the news, but definitely not like – like depressed you know what i mean so like what was kind of like your, your main takeaway as soon as you got the call yeah it's tough because you get that call and i was shocked just because of a the i thought i played pretty well in the summer league probably maybe could have played a little bit better um b I, I feel like i still fit the team fit the organization i have a great relationship with coach ham and, and darvin uh coach ham and, and, and obviously rob um but I think the saddest part for me is all like the meaningful relationships I've built over this past year, whether it's been with our nutritionist, uh, Becky, whether it's been with our travel guy, Ed, um, some of our security guards, our G league coaching staff, um, like our video coordinators, just the, all the, like the, the relationships I've built over the past year. And it's a part of the business and, and you can't get mad at the business part of it. Cause when the business pays mm-hmm. you a lot of money, you can't get, you're not mad at it then. So, 
um, I think overall it was, it was I was shocked. I was sad, and um, I, I just had such a great time being a Laker um, in that process that it it was it was sad to kind of hear my name or hear obviously hear Rob say that I was being waived, and at the same time also receiving receiving the news. But when uh, when you're a shooter, when you're a, a person of, of strong faith, you kind of just move on to the next thing, right? And and I, I'm a true believer that in God's plan, and I believe that um, at the end of the day, everything will come to fruition the way it's supposed to be. I think I'm, I'm going to be in a good situation coming up next, and um, I'm going to have to fight like like I always have, right? Um, my, my journey's never been easy. I, I was a top 30 player in the high in high school and then I had to go to a college and sit sit for three years. And then I went to Syracuse right. my career and um, but still didn't have that much draft stock, had to go into the draft process and, and earn everything, didn't get invited to G League Combine, didn't get invited to the NBA Combine, um, wasn't on any top 100 boards or anything like that. Got signed by the Lakers, right. played well, thought thought there was going to be an opportunity to crack the rotation as a two-way, which is, which is very hard from the beginning of the season. And then I, I have a stress mm-hmm. reaction for two months. So my story's never been – a uh, straight line. It's always been kind of up and down. This is kind of just like par for the course, if you know what I mean. Yeah, it's just another step in the process, brother. Yeah, and we're for pulling sure. for you, us in the fan base. Yeah. Um, but the other thing that you mentioned when I talked to you last week was like, it's not a personal thing. It's not like the Lakers like hate Cole Swider as a person. You know what I mean? Like it actually is. It's such a cliche, but um, I don't know. Like it, it is just a business. Like it's they're looking at it from like employing people. Yeah, I mean, I think it caught a lot of people within by shock too. You know what I mean? I think just like the the relationships I've made over the uh, over this past year, it feels like I've been here for two, three years. Just, just yeah. all the relationships I, I've made, and I've gotten so many texts and calls from people around the organization that um, not only were coaches, but support staff or or front office people, or everyone just saying how much they appreciated me as a person and as a player mm-hmm. and. Um, and yeah, no, it's definitely, it's definitely tough, but at the end of the day, it is a business, right? It is, right. they're trying to do the best things possible to make the Lakers a championship contender. And I wasn't in their plans. So, yeah. uh, hopefully I can go to my next situation and, and be a part of those, uh, that team's plan, fight for everything I get, like I always have and, and move on. So you're still in LA right now, correct? Yeah. So, um, <laughs> if you guys know my mom, you know, she's an ultra planner. She, you know, she's, an unbelievable mom, right? Um, mm-hmm. She was. We got to go back and, and get all your stuff packed because I, I don't have time to do it during the week. So I, I think I got waived on a Monday. News news became official on Wednesday. Um, and yeah, a, a, after that, just on Friday, we we decided to fly to LA. My mom stayed for literally twenty four hours and, and packed up my whole entire room. Packed your shit up. Wow. Packed all of my stuff up. Um, packed my packed up my car and I literally have two suitcases left that, of clothes just workout clothes but I want yeah. I wanted to stay this week um, just to start working out with with Charlie Charlie Torres and like Charlie just unbelievable was Charlie Torres and Zach Gonzalez just unbelievable two unbelievable trainers and then just just, just kind of get back into the flow I've, I've had to take these 10 14 days off because of, but I had a surgery my saliva gland and also I, I was playing with a pulled left quad in the whole entire summer league so um it, it was it was good to kind of get that time off but at the same time it's it's go time again you know what I mean if, if yeah <laughs> I, I was telling my dad this I was like man I don't know if I would have taken two weeks off I know the Lakers are gonna gonna wave me 
Yeah. <laughs> well, how's the surgery? How's the saliva gland surgery? I don't know if I've heard well, that. There, there used to be a pouch right here. There's no more pouch in uh-huh. um, yeah, just That's a podcast of surgery there. Just just yapping all the time. You got to get under the knife. Yeah, we're just talking so much. It just provides a lot of pressure on, on that little saliva gland. So, um, But overall, it was really but, successful. We went in for my, my post-op appointment and everything checked out good. And Wow. Um, yeah, man. Love hearing that. How's the quad? Quad's great. Quad's great now. I've been working out for the past week at the play pickup. Um, so, yeah, everything's feeling good. Just getting my win back now. I mean, I right. like to hold myself to a pretty high standard when it comes to being in shape and Obviously, taking mm-hmm. two weeks off, you're not going to be in the shape you want to be after taking two weeks yeah. off. So how quickly does it shift to, like, all right, what's my next move? Were you that night, like, kind of evaluating situations? Again, we're not going to announce anything here, but yeah. do you take a, night, do you take some time, talk to Nico? Like, Yeah. That night, not as much. The next morning, um, we, we also had to wait for it to be official. Um, oh, right. Before, before we could um, start talking to teams. But, I mean, mm-hmm. the process goes – you get waived. Obviously, you got to wait for it to be official. Then you have a 48-hour waiver wire period where a team can pick you up with your contract. So, um, uh, just throwing a random team out there. I'm not going to be going to this team, but like, let's say uh, let's Charlotte, say uh, the the Milwaukee Brewers. Yeah, the Milwaukee Brewers. Um, right. Decided to pick up my contract. They would owe me the rest of the contract that the Lakers had had signed me for. Okay, so that's like the waiver wire period. Yeah, so forty-eight hours after you get released okay. or you get officially waived, and after that you can sign any any contract that um, you yeah. want. But a team can pick you up in that first forty-eight hours and 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 keep you going on that same deal. So is that what it means? Like people say, like, oh, I've claimed the right to Patty K- the rights to Patty Casey. That's what that yeah. means. That's what that language means. Okay, exactly. We're gonna need a uh, when you make your. Announcement: We're going to need a, a full uh, download. That's the way we call it in the business world of all these terms and like the different contract negotiations and all that stuff in the NBA because it's way more confusing than I think a lot of people realize. Not for sure. Um, but yeah, any anything else on the last week on the on the? I don't know. I, I think you should uh, offer our listeners a reassurance that you're going to be okay, and this is a stepping stone. It's not a setback. <laughs> no, yeah, no, I'm excited, man. I think the Lakers organization it was great to me. I obviously love my time in LA, and um, just really, really grateful for Rob and Darvin for giving me an opportunity into the NBA, um, provided me with a, with a chance to play with LeBron James, my my idol growing up. Yeah. Provided me with a chance to to play in set, seven NBA games and score my first NBA points, and and, and and witness so many great moments from the Western Conference Finals run to the. Um, to seeing LeBron break his break the scoring record, to um, being a part of so many great wins and, and tough losses, and, and, and around great players like Russ and AD, and even around Pat Bev, and I couldn't I couldn't thank them all for giving me that opportunity. So um, just super grateful. No no hard feelings towards the Lakers. I mean, this is back here later in my career. So um, I think I think I did make a great impression with the front office here and the coaches and. Um, that's all you can really. That's all. That's all you can really ask for is that you, you show up every single day and and do all do all the work that you can and and uh, the rest will take care of itself. So I have no regrets yeah. towards the situation or, or have any resentment towards the Lakers because they gave me so much in this one year and uh, I'm I'm super blessed and, and thankful. Right. 
Um, but you did pick it. But I will be, be okay. I, I will be signing with another team. I, I will be have, have another opportunity. And hopefully this next opportunity, the, the cards fall were, were yep. in my favor and, and I can make an NBA roster. Yeah, we got full confidence that happens. But with the Lakers thing, you did pick a, a hell of a year to be on the Lakers. Like, if you were to pick one year in the last, I don't know, 10? Or, like, yeah. especially for you specifically, like you're saying, you're as big of a LeBron fan as – as anyone I know, it's like the success you guys had, the fact you were in the locker room with him in year 20, breaks the biggest regular season record of all time. Like, I don't know. You couldn't really script it any better. Start a podcast. Yeah, start a podcast, yeah. Um, but yeah, um, it was amazing. Amazing experience with the Lakers. Related to that, you'll see in the description of this episode, um, given this time of year, we say this, I mean, the summer's tough for guests, right? So we decided with – uh, L.A. Swider moving on to his next opportunity. We do a little uh, best of episode of our Laker connections that we've had on the show. Um, I'll do a little intro for each of them. So even if you guys have listened to the episodes in the past, um, which I know many of you have as loyal fans, still still check out these stories because it's kind of like, I don't know, the, the best stories we've had on the show from South Bay, from L.A. Lakers, some big stars, some up-and-coming stars. So, um, yeah, don't don't skip that. Before we get to that, though, uh, Swire, you and Adam had a little TBT Q's trip. Yeah. Why don't you give uh, give the people a little rundown how that went? Yeah. So obviously after Monday night, I was a little I was a little down, a little down in the dumps, upset, emotional. And there's no better way to, to get your spirits up than, than headed to the Q's, right? Of course. Um, I was able to kind of head up to, head up to Syracuse Wednesday, uh, Wednesday morning. And uh, play golf with G Mac, Buddy, and Justin Taylor. Oh no way! Yeah, was, Who won? Uh, G Mac was unbelievable. I think he shot a seventy-four. Seventy-four? Where'd you yeah. play? We played at Onondaga, which is like a really tough course. Oof. Yeah. Jesus Christ! The day before, I shot a, a an eighty-nine back home in, at Green Valley. Okay. And then I went up to Onondaga and shot a ninety-eight. So it wasn't wasn't my best day. It wasn't my worst. Shooting under 100 still. That's pretty bad, though. 98 is – that's pretty rough. (laughs) That's 26 more swings of the club than you're designed to have. But, yeah, that's all right. That's true. We'll regroup. Yeah. Where where are my clubs, though? I was using – Oh, of course. G-Max old set. So, I'll give myself a little bit. Okay. But, overall, really, really uh, fun time. Then we got to go and watch a couple TBT games. Me and Adam got to – Go go to the the second round game of the TBT, and then the next day we got to head to practice and, and hang out with the, with the guys a little bit. So, um, really excited for this year's Syracuse team. It's a whole different energy and vibe with with Red there. Really? Yeah. So oh, with Red there, I thought you meant the roster's so different too. Like it's oh, the roster. Mm-hmm. Roster's totally different, but I think from a from a from a teaching standpoint, like Coach Bayon was the same practice every single day. Red was switching stuff up. It was it was it was a good good energy. Good really? Yeah, he, he had he had film going before practice, which Coach Coach <laughs> probably probably wouldn't do in the summer. You know what I mean? Just, right. Yeah. Just in general, but but just overall, just really excited for this year's Q's team, and it was a great trip to Syracuse and hanging out with my boy Adam Lewis. Yeah, Lewis, how's your trip? Tell the uh, yeah, tell so, the story uh, of you guys walking in that you just told off air. Yeah, yeah, so Swider texts me, you know, you should come to the game this weekend. Or I guess I asked. I was like, should I come? And he's like, definitely pull up. 
And so I'm like offering him to Venmo him $19 for the, the cheapest ticket in the building and everything. And uh, he says, no, no, I got you. So I drive up the greatest drive in the world, an hour north on 81, um, pull into the parking garage. And I go to the front where, uh, where like you would go in if you had a ticket. And Swider FaceTimes me and he goes, no, 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 we're, we're in the back. Just, just come around to the other side of the building. So uh, I come around, it's Coles there. I see my boy, Buddy Beheim, uh, who was my blackjack partner couple weeks ago in Vegas. So that was, uh, that was a good um, return, a good, uh, exciting person to see again. And then we walk down the, the side of the building and go into the, um, this little like private door, no label on the door or anything. It's like a nice little uh, small closet sized room. Uh, within was Jim and Julie Beheim just standing there waiting to go into the building and the VIP uh, entrance. So here I am uh, walking in courtside uh, being escorted in, I should say, with uh, Cole Swider, Buddy Beheim, and Jim Beheim, and I can definitely say I was the least popular person in that lineup walking to our uh, for front row seats at the game. Hey, but uh, Mike Waters didn't give you a shout out, bro. Which Mike Waters yeah. is, is, yeah. is a high level, high level journalist. Yeah. There's that definitely a nuts. level. I thought he would at least, yeah, give the producer right. the the Swider show. There's a level of fame you have to have Beheim's. to get. To get mentioned by Mike Waters in a tweet, I think you have. You do, have you think, Swire, do you think if I was tagging along, I'd mention there from Waters? Oh, for sure. Really? The Syracuse, Syracuse loves you, Patty. I'll take that. I, I I wasn't there, but I'm just gonna like basically pretend that that actually did happen. I was thinking I wouldn't make the cut, but um, yeah, it's a great story. Also, Lewis like it, it appreciates it at, at a different level because he's an actual diehard. Syracuse fan with like an Excel document of every game he's ever gone to. <laughs> yeah, that's true. It was, uh, I was, I was all happy to be done after that night. And then I think like four different people from the organization told me to come to practice the next day. And so Cole, yep. uh, helped me get into that. And I, you know, I watched a two hour practice and shot around in mellow. So it was definitely a great 24 hours. And uh, yeah, I am. Open door policy. Always. Great trip. Great trip. Yeah, anything else to add? Tough, tough uh, ending for the TBT team, Bayheim's Army. But I'm happy uh, that they beat the, the blue collar U. And, and yeah, that was, that was, yeah, getting out of the regional is like the big thing. Yeah. Being Buffalo. Uh, Jimmy Bayheim, it's still an orange state. Yeah. Obviously, you want to win the whole entire TBT and get the money, but at the end of the day, it was, it was st- still a great run. I think it was a great team put together by Sean Belby and, and overall just a, Really, another great TBT uh, Bayheim's Arby uh, tournament. Absolutely, um, but yeah, any anything else to add, Swider? I know you got to you got to bounce here for your massage, but uh... you know, just like I said, just super thankful for the Lakers organization. Really excited for my next move, and um, we'll be announcing it here shortly. And yeah, no, just super excited, super blessed, and um, really excited for this next opportunity. So. Appreciate all you guys listening, and uh, we'll kick it over to the the best of L.A. stories on The Swider Show. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. 
Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All right, guys, like we said, a little uh, L.A. Lakers slash South Bay Lakers best of interview from the Swider Show. We're starting off with our close personal friend, Devin Kennedy, former Princeton great. Uh, Devin joined us for episode 11. If you haven't listened to that entire episode, like I said, it's episode 11. Go back and listen to that. But as two prolific shooters, here's Devin and Cole discussing the art of shooting. I'm a, I'm a basketball junkie. I'm watching JJ Reddick highlights at two in the morning. I'm watching, yeah. I'm watching freaking Kyle Korver highlights. I'm yeah. watching all these guys, and it just gets me going. It gets gets my blood going. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean that's the art of shooting. For, it, it's an art to me. It's an art form. Like basketball is an art form. But for, but for me, shooting like if you, I, I can watch someone take ten shots and know if they're a good shooter or not. Mm-hmm. That's love. No, dude, I, I keep and I'm I mess with him a lot. He comes in with his venti iced coffee, <laughs> yeah, and I'm no like, cream, no like sugar. A, yeah, like AU dad, man, like yeah, like, <laughs> a lot of those AU dads who come in like they're they're hyper focused yeah. in the craft, like whether it's their kid or whatever, and they're you know and and he I'm on the plane with him and he's going on the NBA league pass and it's. Raptors game and I, I'm, I go over and look at someone else and the next thing you know it's the Sixers game and he's just like dude I love this shit <laughs> he's like I love this shit I'm like dude you're, you're gonna make it bro like so yeah. I guess to that point like for me I think it was middle school I'm sitting in like choir class and it's March Madness and Davidson is playing Duke and it's Steph Curry and there's like I've always been a good shooter and I love the game like I said I played multiple sports it was watching Steph Curry be <clears throat> A guy that pretty much looked like me, scrawny, yep. light skinned, small, <laughs> but just pl- just flows and he's just playing. He's let he just letting it fly and he's playing with such ease. It's like kind of like the Bruce Lee "Be Like Water" kind of mantra. Yeah. And it's like, dude, he looks like he's having fun. No one can stop him. Obviously, his handle is one of the best handles in the world, and that's something I clearly need to work on. But like, just from a floor spacing, shooting, like you said. I loved at Princeton. One thing people could say about me is I was in the gym. Yeah. And, like, I had teammates that would, I'm like, hey, they'll, they'll come work out with me. And then four days later, they fall off. They're not there. And I'm there every day. That, like, literally, when they say making a thousand shots, it was like a ritual. Like, if it's an off day Sunday, like, I'm making a thousand. And sometimes I take my breakfast to the gym, I take my lunch to the gym. And in between 500 reps, I'm watching. A game and eating and then back to the and so there's something to it like like we kind of talked about my free throw percentage like I mean I don't like talking every time I talk about my free I miss a free throw the next game that's what happened on this last game but like but bro like I don't miss free throw it's just it's free and it's it's routine and it's repetition and you can do it with your eyes closed um, but in terms of getting paid at the highest level here in the NBA you see more and more you have guys like Giannis you have guys like KD who are seven foot and can shoot, but ultimately you have your stars, and then you need to have guys that can make shots around them. 
And so it's like, how can you continue at for me six two, six one, whatever? And you you <laughs> you know with with more size, how can you be effective in impact winning? And for me, it's like if the ball goes in, I don't care if I was five eleven. Like if you can't contest or, or you jump by and I can do one like Patty Mills has made a career out of yep. just being an elite floor spacer and that's really kind of who I try and mold my game a little bit after him and Brent Forbes um, and, and just, just continue to, to work on it and, and hammer that that skill set home so hopefully you know this season I continue to to grow evolve um, and opportunity comes here soon but I mean shooting there's there's nothing like it thank you Devin again if you guys want to listen to that entire interview that's episode 11 um, next we have Lakers second year who should be a junior in college Max Christie who's going to have a breakout year for the Lakers he just absolutely dominated the summer league this was right after or right before LeBron broke the scoring record Max and Cole break down their earliest memories of LeBron and uh, kind of their expectations going into that night yeah earliest memory of LeBron um, you know I have a lot obviously him when he was first drafted when he played early in Cleveland in his first stint with Cleveland but I remember when he um I think he was playing for Miami. He might have been playing for Cleveland. I think he was playing for Miami, and I was a big Bulls fan at the time because um, I was from you know that area and from Chicago. So I was a big Bulls fan at the time. The Heat were playing the Bulls um, in the playoffs, and obviously I remember LeBron going on a tear in that playoffs. Obviously they beat us in that series, and obviously went on to to do great things in that playoffs. Um, but that was my first early memory of him watching you know my Bulls at the time you know watching LeBron's just sort of do his thing in Miami just doing what he normally does now and it's crazy what he did what he did in Miami multiple years ago is almost identical what he's doing now which is <laughs> multiple years later he's freaking 38 years old now it's 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 ridiculous so um and then my first or not my first you know something that has opened my eyes with him I think when we played in Charlotte, I don't know if you were there, but when we played in Charlotte and you had Dennis through that lob and you had that sort of, you know, reverse, mm-hmm. that was, I was, I was so shocked because I, I knew he was going to dunk it, but I didn't think he was going to do all that. I was like, there's like, but it's crazy. You just remember this dude's 38 years old, year 20, and he's still doing some crazy stuff like that. I mean, he has his moments for sure, but that one for me was like, I wasn't expecting that in the slightest. And he went off and just did some, you know, crazy stuff like that. That was that was pretty ridiculous. I had a, I had a moment the other night where I was sitting next to Jordan Ott, one of our assistants, Michigan State guy, um, and LeBron hit a three. I think it was his forty sixth point against the Clippers. I looked over and I'm like, this is just like ridiculous. <laughs> then we have a then we have a ti- I think they call a timeout after that. And Juan Descano Anderson, I was talking to Juan, and ho- hopefully we'll get him on the podcast soon. But I was talking to Juan, he's like. He's like, you have these moments of, like, thinking that it's, like, regular what he's doing because he does it every single night. Like, like he scores 40 and 30 and 46 and, and 47 on his birthday. And you, like, and you, start, and you, you start to, like, not feel like the great – like, you, you just think it's just normal. But then you get used to it. And he's like, that's how he felt with Steph, too. Like, Steph went on a run when he was there where he averaged, like, 45 in one month. You know what I mean? It's like, no, like this isn't normal. We need to like step back yeah. and and like realize what we're like, what we're watching, because I feel like that's just like the the greatness of these players in our generation right now, from the Dames having sixty last night to the Stephs, the LeBron, what he's what he's been doing the past month and a half since AD's been out, like just the all these great players and the performances they're having. I, I think it's just such a great time to be in the NBA, be a young player in the NBA. Um, 
It's just just an amazing, just an yeah. amazing. One thing that's that's been cool in recent weeks is I feel like LeBron is starting to sort of get his flowers because he's approaching this record. So there's been a lot of reflection pieces on social media and ESPN and stuff where they talk about some like the biggest moments of his career. So for you two being in the locker room, how do you expect that to go? We're I don't know. Depending on the game, if he keeps scoring forty a game, it might be in like three games. But <laughs> Two games. <laughs> yeah, he's he's really approaching it here. So how's that kind of feeling in the locker room? I'm sure you guys don't talk about it much, but man, when he when he gets that, I don't, I'm not sure what's gonna happen. You know, obviously when he scores that, I wouldn't be surprised if the whole game stops after he scores. Honestly, I, I think they should stop the whole goddamn game just to yeah, celebrate. Hundred percent. So you know that'll happen in my opinion for sure. I know as teammates, coaches, everybody around, we're going to be really excited for him after that game. We're going to be all over him, dumping water all over him, whatever. So it's going to be a really cool moment, especially for me coming into my rookie year and having seeing, you know, being a part of something like that so up close. That That's going to be something that I'm going to remember for the rest of my life, for sure. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's going to be, you know, so many, you know, pres- prestigious people at that game, I'm assuming. When, you know, that game comes up, there's going to be, geez, icons all over the place so not only seeing those type of people but you know seeing lebron do what he's about to do and being his teammate for that you know it's it's gonna be a really cool really cool day as a whole you know thank you max again that's episode 17 go check that entire your entire conversation out with max Uh, next we have shaq harrison from episode 21 where he discusses getting recruited by or getting called on by a former uh an NFL team, an NFL roster. He's one of the best defenders in basketball in the world. And the Kansas City Chiefs saw that and uh, actually asked him to be on their roster. So enjoy that from Shaq. Me and my brother used to play every sport one-on-one with each other. We'll put on football pads, put on our helmet, put on the pants and tackle each other in the basement. <laughs> we put holes in the wall. My mom would give us uh, whoopings. <laughs> uh, we'll, we'll be playing one-on-one outside like, Late at night, early in the morning, even before school, we're playing one on one, and our clothes is getting dirty before we even head to school. And then with baseball, we will practice uh, pitching with each other. Like um, we'll like keep a count, and we're just pitch to each other, or we'll be in the backyard, we're just hitting each other like ground balls, like practicing. We never truly knew we were going to be like athletes, like we were just being kids. Yeah. Yeah. So when it the thing for my brother, it clicked when he was in eighth grade. He's such a he's a freak athlete. I mean, if you Look him up. You can see like he was just super, super talented growing up. But you knew he was going to be a professional in eighth grade. And when I saw that, it motivated me to like get better at sports because everyone was talking about him, you know, being a professional, being every- now I want you know I had dreams of being a Division One player. I had a dreams of being an NBA guy. Yeah. And it's ironic that my brother plays uh, in the MLB and I played I played in the NBA because growing up I love baseball and he loved basketball. <laughs> Everyone thought my brother was going to be the basketball player, and everyone thought I was going to be the baseball player. Wow. Yeah. So it's just, you know, my mom is very, you know, she's not even an athlete. <laughs> my, <laughs> my mom didn't even know the difference of throwing <laughs> a touchdown and dunking a basketball. She'll be at a – I promise you, you can you can ask people that grow us that was at the game with my mother. Like, she would say a touch – she would call a touchdown a dunk, like, at a basketball game. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And she's like, you know your sons are the best guys on the team. <laughs> <laughs> she's just there supporting us. she truly like now she you know now she gets sports and now she understands but at the time she didn't growing up she didn't play 
she didn't do anything sports. She was super girly girl, and you know, I don't know where this this talent came from. <laughs> so it, just, it just fell upon us. <laughs> That's amazing. I mean, playing playing receiver at Kansas, choosing to play in the NBA, and then your brother playing the MLB is pretty ridiculous. So, I mean, yeah, actually, another crazy story for me. Y'all like this too. Yeah. Uh, so after college, uh, you know, the NFL likes basketball players yeah, yeah yeah they like guys from um turn the tight ends and turn the wide receivers so oh, did you get a call yeah after uh at the time john dorsey was the um gm for the kansas city chiefs and they call uh and they call they call up um some guys around kansas city that's known like that know that knows like me and my brother like guys that used to play in the nfl and they're hitting up the um hitting up the guys and they're like hey is shaq harrison deciding to go to the draft like what's his status for the nba or is he going overseas like what's going on he was like uh you know shaq plays basketball i don't know why he doesn't play football no more <laughs> like are you sure you're not talking about monte harrison like yeah and it was like no like shaq like shaq harrison that went to tulsa and, and they, he ends up calling me and uh um leaving a voicemail and talking um talking with some people that i grew up with and they want they gave me a uh, a contract to come play football for oh my God. yeah um and i had to make a decision you know they had a plan for me like okay yeah we're gonna get you on a plan do this and like get you back because they knew i haven't played football for you know four years and i had to make a decision again to choose basketball wow. over football and I, something in me was like man i want to play in the nba i believe and i took the g league route over going to the kansas city chiefs was there any uh, oh my game? god Oh, I mean, I'm, I'm, you know, at the time, I'm not for sure how everything, go, like, you know, with the practice squad yeah, yeah. and everything, I don't, I didn't, they didn't have any numbers for me at the time, but they were like, you're, you'll be on the like, we have a contract for you, you truly want to go this route. That's amazing, man. Oh yeah. That's ridiculous. Next, from episode 25, we have probably the most inspiring part of the Swider Show to date. This is uh, Wenyan Gabriel discussing with Cole about going back to his home in South Sudan and being a role model for the kids that grow up there now and how he kind of made it out of there into the NBA. Do they know who you are over there? Are you are you famous over there? Do they know you're in the NBA or do they just look at you as like a role model because the clothes you're wearing or the stuff that you have? Like, well, Yeah, so they a lot of people do know who I am. So a lot of them, but a, a lot of people also, um, I mean, also I have a big, really big family, so... Like, okay. I, like I told you, my great-great-grandfather had six wives, you know, and then yeah. my grandpa had six wives. So there's so many people within the family that are going to talk about it and basketball and stuff. Yeah. But, um, you know, like they, they even put up a big billboard for me when I went back home. Wow. Yeah. So like a lot of people knew who I was and that's what really surprised me. I was like, I didn't know what type of turnout I was going to have. You know, I didn't have all I didn't know I had any influence over there until I went and got to see it. Man, that's. That's so empowering. It's amazing. Obviously, everything you you do on the basketball court couldn't beat beat the impact that you have over in your country and, and what you're doing over there, man. But getting back into basketball, obviously, you had a legendary high school career. You grew up in New Hampshire, played New Hampshire rivals. I, I remember seeing you play when you were ninth ninth tenth grade, and, and you were just like just just growing into your body almost. You know what I mean? And then and then seeing what you turned out into. Talk about where you kind of developed the love for basketball um, coming from Manchester, New Hampshire. And what, what is the nickname? Manch Vegas. <laughs> yeah. They call it Manch Vegas sometimes. Uh, yeah, yeah. So man, I mean, we just grew up all, uh, we really used to play football at first, but around like 
like sixth grade, sixth, seventh grade, there was the this AU it wasn't an AU program yet, but there was like this uh this community center called the Bishop O'Neill Center. So like Okay. I, Bishop I, I, Elite? I, I, yeah, Bishop Elite, but it before it became Bishop Elite. It was just a community center in the in the you know the the projects in the um wherever they uh what do you call it public housing, so that's where the community center was. But I didn't even I didn't I was mad young, so like my older brother and them they was gonna go play pickup, and I just wanted to um I just wanted to get out the house, bro. So I pulled up over there, and then uh, we ended up playing um we ended up playing uh they they ended up playing pickup and whatnot, and I was just there watching, but. Then this guy came, this bald guy, like six six. His name was David Cooper, and he just started preaching, like talking about basketball, like going Division One, or you don't know what, whatever you want to do, want to know what it takes and stuff. So he started doing ball handling drills. Everyone's going hard, and I just kept coming back every single day. And then he would let me get into drills and whatnot, and that's kind of how I started. But Bishop Elite this is what was born out of that. We born an AU program. And that's what really I learned how to love basketball, just playing against each other every day. And you know, my older sister played basketball. She played at um, she played with the at high school at the time, but she played at Boston College. And uh, oh, wow. she was the first hooper in our family for real. So we wow. kind of followed her footsteps. Huh? I didn't, I didn't know your sister played at Boston College. Obviously, I know Piath played with my my little sister Kylie. They played the same AU team. Your brother God played at your brother God played at Monmouth. Um, that's crazy. Yeah, my older sister was the original Hooper. Yeah, she went to prep wow. school in New Jersey. Petty, she kind of okay. opened up the gate for us. You know what I'm saying by being different and doing stuff because our parents kind of wanted to stay in the house. Like my brother yeah. wanted to go play basketball, and they're like, "Yo, that's um, you can't you can't hoop. You want to go play with those guys at the park down the street?" They didn't really know because we just came to America. You know what I'm saying? For them, they didn't really understand what basketball was at this point like that. So like it was hard for us to just play basketball. But, Man, after that, I started I started growing, playing with the rivals. That's where it really took off for me. Yeah. Like, playing with Bishop, it was cool. I really learned. But when it was time to grow, like, I went to go play with the rivals, and that's where it started skyrocketing for me. You know, I went there every single day. I would drive the mask, and then I would just work out. Every single day, I would make sure I made – I was one of the most consistent people driving up there, and I would work out hard as hell. <laughs> so yeah. then I would come back home eventually – uh, he, get, he wanted me to go play. Ben wanted me to play in one of his local tournaments, so I went and played in one of those local tournaments. And then uh, I was killing. I had like I surely had a double double before half, and then yeah. I went and fractured my ankle. Yeah, so no I was uh, yeah, I fractured my ankle, bro. But then he came and told me that he's gonna have a spot for me in his elite team in the spring. So I'm like, yeah, it's lit. So boom, I got my my ankle healed. And then I was applying to prep schools. I've always been applying to prep schools, you know, trying to get into prep school since I was in uh, since I was in middle school when I first. Because I know that that's where everybody's going, but I didn't have no money, so I had to make sure I had good grades. <laughs> so I could try to get into prep school. <laughs> so I got denied. I got waitlisted at Phillips Exeter, but I had a lot. I had, I had good grades, but clearly not that good to yeah. get into there. They wasn't taking my public school uh, principals list. So, anyways, I went into Wilbraham Munson Academy with the help of Vin. You know, I applied yeah. to all these prep schools by myself. Like, I drove up to Wilbraham Munson. I drove up to um, Cushing Academy. Like, yep. I was trying to get into these different schools, and they just had the. I went to Bremer in May as well. I tried to go there, but at the end, like the school that took me was Wilbraham for the best deal. So I went there. I reclassified, and then that summer is when I picked up all the offers. I had like twenty offers that summer. Yeah, and it just kept that. It just kept going. <laughs> 
Next, uh, we have recurring guest Scotty Pippen Jr., who you heard last week on episode 39 live from Las Vegas. This is from all the way back in last October. Uh, me and Cole have gotten very uh, a lot better at podcasting, as you'll find out in listening to this conversation. But Scotty, the first time he was on, explains who he modeled his game after and separating himself from the lasting image of his Hall of Fame father. Well, I wouldn't say there's a particular player I modeled my game after. Um, I think just growing up, I was never the best player on my team. So I was always good at getting like my better teammates the ball and always, you know, finding open players, open shooters. So I was always good at playmaking. And that like started through high school, you know, going to Sierra Kane. And I was, you know, I played with top guys going to all Division One schools. And then that just led into going to Vandy. Um, I knew that was the only way I was going to be able to stay on the court with just being a playmaker, getting guys shots. And, you know, my first year we had two pros on the team. So I didn't really need to score the ball as much. So I started right. because I was a playmaker and my pace and my poise and just, you know, running the team. And then, you know, once both of those guys left and coming back from my sophomore season, um, my role had changed and that kind of just came naturally. I just knew I had to score the ball more. And, you know, I kind of had to do both, playmake as well, score the ball for, to give, you know, our team even a chance at winning some games. So that kind of just led into my junior year as well, just trying to win games by scoring, playmaking, and, you know, trying to get that feel for the game. And that's kind of like, you know, at the next level of being here with the Lakers, you know, just trying to get a feel for that because, you know, I'm not going to have to score 20 points a game, but just playmaking right. the things, the little things that can get me on the floor. So let's talk about, obviously, Scotty. My, my, my two months playing with Scotty has been unreal. I, I, I went on record and said he's probably the best individual guard that I've played with in terms of being able to beat the single man press break, being able to t- take people off the dribble, find guys and everything like that. Scotty, talk about, obviously you say you don't model your game after a certain kind of guy, but I feel like you have 10 different players in, in kind of your arsenal. Talk about um, where you kind of got that from. Obviously you're not like your dad in terms of size or, or physical like the physical gifts that your, your dad had. But talk about kind of just the, the, the players that you may have watched, but at the same time, how you kind of got to the, this this skill level that not a lot of people can reach in their lifetime. Yeah, I think the couple players that I watched a lot, I watched a lot of Kobe growing up. So like, I used a lot of pump fakes and pivots, like especially when I get in the paint. So I think a lot of his game I use, Chris Paul, the way he like probes in the mid-range. Um, Jalen Brunson's another one. And then lastly, I'll probably say Fred Van Fleet. Um, so just growing up, just being a younger, uh, not a younger, but smaller guard, I've always been able to like have to use my body and use my speed and my pace because you know, I probably wasn't the biggest, the strongest, or the fastest guy on any court. So I kind of just used that to my advantage because I knew how to you know, use my body where I knew I had good footwork and I always was able to get defenders off balance where I could like pivot, pump fake, and draw fouls and stuff like that. Swire, so, I think we've talked about this before, but Maybe the biggest compliment you could give a point guard, crafty. <laughs> and what Scotty's, what Scotty's just describing right now is just the craftiness that comes with, like, having such a high IQ and figuring it out when you're you're not necessarily 6'9", like you are, Cole. So I, would I respect s- that a lot. Scotty said he's not the fastest, <laughs> but he might be close to the fastest. Oh, like, yeah. Like, it's – so like, obviously, watching his highlights in college, be, playing with him now, it's just like uh, – it's just unbelievable just the change of pace he has, the, the vision he has. I know he's not going to talk about this himself, but obviously you can see when, when talking about the players that he, that he compares himself or watch, watches that 
he has a little piece of those guys in every single in, in a part of his game. Thank you, Scotty. Like I said, his, our first conversation with him was episode four. Go back and listen to that. It's uh, very fun to kind of go back and reminisce on that after you're talking with him last week. Next, we have Troy Brown, who was one of my favorite guests to date, mainly because uh, he was so open and honest about his storytelling. The one thing he was a little bit shy about talking about was absolutely banging on Marvin Bagley and EYBL, which I insisted on him telling that story. So enjoy this uh, story from Troy. When you were getting recruited by these schools, was the one and done talk like a constant conversation? And that's what I kind of want to talk to you about, too, is like, because some of these guys going into school, it's like, right, I'm going to be here one year. Let me just like, were coaches, were coaches bringing that one and done talk up to you? Or was it like, we're going to recruit you just in case you're here for four years? No, it was definitely the one and done talk. Cause you know, they're going to tell you what you want to hear. Like that's the game. Yeah, like, yeah. That's how they get you. Like that's the part people don't talk about. Like they tell you what you want to hear and then they get you there. And then they really have an idea of how they want you in the system. And that was the thing for me, like going to Oregon was I didn't want to go to like a Kentucky or like go to a Duke because like we had like the, the Gary Trent's at Duke. We had Wendell Carter at Duke, Marvin Bagley classed up and then went to Duke. Like, you know, yeah. like even the same thing, like not saying I wouldn't like like those schools or anything like that. It was just for me and my preference of like how I was trying to play. I was more like, you know, Colin Sexton with the Alabama, Trey Young with the Oklahoma. I was kind of more on that wave. Like I wanted to be the big fish in the small pond so that I could play my game how I wanted to rather than having to, like, compete for minutes and stuff like that and then, like, getting booted out of school, like, just that type of stuff. So, Troy, you, Troy, you, you hearing you say uh, Marvin, Marvin Bagley, Bagley, I think we, we got to post the, the clip of you banging on, on Marvin Bagley. I don't know. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> I people would never let slider, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, I remember that. That's funny. Yes, no, I that's do remember that. has got to be why you brought it up. No, definitely not. That's like me and Marvin. I've actually known Marvin my like whole like basketball career. Like since we were kids, like very young. Like when he was on what I think they were AZ Arizona Power at the time. Like I've known him for so long. So when all that happened, it was just so funny to me because like out of all people, it was him. Yeah, we got a post. I just looked it up here. It's it's a classic Ball's Life post. Troy Brown Jr. dunks on all caps, number one ranked player. <laughs> all caps. That's funny. That is funny. Man, EYBL, those were the days, man. Now, that was the crazy thing was that was just a high school. Um, what was that? That was like a high school like showcase game. Like, we oh, weren't wow. even in that tournament. We literally played them for a showcase game. Yeah, he was, yeah, he was like, at Sierra like, Canyon, right? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, he was at Sierra Canyon at the time. Yep. And we played them at Gorman, at Bishop Gorman High School. Thank you, Troy. Um, I didn't mention at the top, that's actually in episode 19. That was the day after LeBron broke the scoring record. So there's a lot of good conversation within that interview. Next, we have Stanley Johnson. This is from episode 26. Uh, this clip kind of, it kind of did numbies on TikTok where he's talking about uh, the NBA's famous 99-minute straight workouts. So... Um, it's pretty funny to hear Stanley talk about this. Make sure you guys check it out. Everything you hear about the league, like back when I was in elementary school or junior high, that's exactly what happened when I got in the NBA. Like two and a half hour practices twice a day in training camp. Like, wow. yeah, like these days, that's good luck. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? That's good boring. luck doing that. Um, but that's what it was. And I definitely respect, like, I mean, Stan was awesome. Um but we we were we were definitely worked our butt off, and it was definitely a um, especially being around now. It was definitely a different environment than I knew it to be. 
uh, even at the time. Are those Spencer Dinwiddie ch- stories true? H- have you heard those stories about the nine 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 thing where it was like he was show he he would show up early, he would get a workout in. And oh yeah, Charles class. Yeah, track. Charles class. Yeah, he does that. The the nine ninety nine workouts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. The, puts the most minutes on the clock and lets you just work out until you you know until the minutes are off the clock. Yeah, 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 yeah. Exactly. that's that 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 that's true. Can we expand I did, on I this? I did those. That's what young players do. I did those. What what is the workout? It's a ninety nine. He just puts ninety nine ninety nine on the clock. That's that's his most minutes oh you can put. Oh my god! On. And you yeah, just yeah. work out after two after a two and a half hour practice after a lift before in the morning after shots. For me, like that was going on like like you know at summer league, you know at 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 training camp. Like Spence will get it. Like you know if he didn't play in training camp and like what you don't know is standing there for two and a half hours is just a you got to stand there for two and a half hours. Then after the two and a half hours, you got to wait 45 minutes for everybody to go off the court. Then you got to work out for an hour and a half and then come back to the gym again for our, yeah. for our next session. It's almost like he never left the building. And I think that was more of everything than it was like the actual workout. Like, I don't think like Charles class is probably one of the best coaches I had in the league. Like he's known for that, but like he, you know, you're not working out for 99 minutes. You of course get like a water break here and there, but yeah, <laughs> that is, that is chaos. I've never heard that story. <laughs> You're getting through your whole bag, finishing, shooting, driving, <laughs> running up and down, running, shoot. Like you're getting everything in one day. I was going to say, like how Eric, do you even fill that like time? A, it's like an Eric Devendorf workout. Yeah. You're going to get conditioning <laughs> in. You're going to finish with Laker drill. Like you're going to, like, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like you're going to get everything. Mike ins, all types of stuff. And finally, we saved maybe the best for last. Uh, the man who just got paid in the offseason actually is pretty underpaid. This is a very, a very valuable contract for the Lakers moving forward. But all the way back in episode five, we discussed Austin Reeves. He had already established himself in the NBA, but I think it's no secret that this past season was a giant breakout. Um, he completely dominated a lot of playoff games and emerged as the Lakers' third best player. So the last conversation in our best of is Austin Reeves, where he talks about the Lakers vets um, kind of converting himself into a roster spot and having the confidence in order to, um, you know, have a breakout season like he just did. So make sure you guys check that out. If you haven't heard the entire conversation, it's episode five. We also reran that during the playoffs. Yeah, so it was actually bronze mini camp last year. We went back, we went to Vegas for bronze mini camp. We did a basically the same stuff we did this year played well shot it well and that's when I got converted so it was the Sunday before so we had media day Monday Tuesday training camp started so the Sunday before training camp is when I got converted so that was a sigh of relief like I didn't go into training camp like you know having to like not press but like I kind of got the spot, so, like, I could really just go be myself. And then from day one, that's what everybody, I mean, preached to me. Like, I had Bron, you know, AD, Rondo just telling me to, to be who I am. Like, IQ guy that, you know, plays the game the right way and everything will, you know, fall into place after that. Yeah, no, you can you can tell just the way that Austin plays, you know what I mean? It obviously fits fits those three guys, but at the same time, it, he, he makes his presence known by – Diving on the floor, you know what I mean. Get, make, make, making a making an extra pass to, to Bron to get him going, or hit, hit Bron on a cut. Especially now, I think, obviously, you've really been able to come into your own for for that. Um, so, so just talk about the just the season as a whole last year. You don't have to go too in depth, but 
what was one game that, that you felt like, all right, like, this is a league I can play in, this team, like, this team could use me, and then just talk about just the progression of your season last year. Yeah, so it was actually the second game of the year. First game we played Golden State, I believe, DNP, first one of my career. That was the first time I ever been on a wow. basketball team and no did way. not see the court. And it was like, I was with my agents, and I was like, well, y'all witnessed history tonight. Like, and they was like, what? And I was like, this is, a, this is the first time I've been on a team and not seen the court <laughs> once. Like, yeah. I had games in college my freshman year where I only played like four or five, three, three four minutes, but – Never, never had a DMP, and then so that was the first game. The second game we played Phoenix, they was beating us by like thirty, and to start the fourth, coach threw me in, and I believe at that time it was me, Bron, Russ, AD, Mello on the court, and like we, um, I think I hit like two or three threes, got another bucket, and like we cut it to ten with like two minutes left. Or like twelve, like two minutes left, and then ever since then, like I was basically in the rotation. I kind of got you know in and out, um, like spot times where I got DMPs. Maybe I wasn't shooting it well or playing well, but for the most part, the whole year, um, other than injuries, I had a hamstring issue um, that I was out for probably two or three weeks. But other than that, I hit the ground running pretty quick. Like Cole said at the beginning, thank you guys for tuning in. Uh, a little bit of a unique episode, but I always enjoy when podcasts do stuff like this because it's a little bit of a, a change up. And you'll be surprised how much you forgot about, even if you had to listen to it first go around when they released. So um, thank you guys. Like I said, like we said, uh, tune in next week. We'll know where Cole Swider is heading by then. And uh, we'll go blow by blow. We'll give a very in detailed recap of. Um, you know, his decision-making process, the, the situations that he evaluated, um, and ultimately what, what uh, why he arrived at the decision that he made. So it's exciting times for the show. It's exciting times for Swider. Um, and it's exciting times for you guys, the listeners, because there's going to be some more content coming out of this. Um, of course, we might need a little logo change as it is Lakers colors, but we'll, we'll tell you what colors those will be next week. So thank you guys. Have a great weekend. And, uh, as always, thanks for tuning in. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality. What's up, everybody? Thank you guys for tuning in. We really hope you enjoyed this week's show. To find out who will be joining us next week, make sure you're following us on all social media platforms at Swider Show on Instagram, at Swider Show on Twitter, 
and at Swire Show on TikTok. We also recently developed our very own YouTube page, www.youtube.com slash at Swider Show and subscribe. You can send in a mailbag question to be featured on the show, swidershow at gmail.com. And of course, if you haven't already, make sure to turn on those notifications so you never miss an episode week to week. Cole Swider Show with Patty Casey is presented by Blue Wire Podcast and our executive producer, is Adam Lewis. The Swider Show is created by Cole Swider, Patty Casey, and producer Adam Lewis. All rights reserved. Thank you, guys. We'll see you next week.